Jones, how's it going? How are you, man? I'm doing well, thanks. Oh, wow, I love that poster. My beautiful Bone Tomahawk poster. Fuck, that is a such a goddamn good movie. Sorry to <laughs> curse right off the top, but I just love that movie, man. And I just... Oh God! I mean, it's so good. It's it's uh it, it's sort of bonkers how good it is, you know. Yeah. Like yeah. I like I obviously I think there are things in, especially dragged across concrete that are that are the best movie, right? Yeah. Uh, but but Bone, it's so special to me because it was like the one that sort of like launched me into this crazy world and like. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I I, I get that. I mean, that's what you, but you basically, and I'm, I'm a bit of a gambler, so I appreciate yeah. it, which is you gambled, right? You gambled oh, I, on that one. I, I literally mortgaged <laughs> my entire house. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons, you know, just to get right into it, it's like you and yeah. I have had this kind of back and forth yeah. email exchange and I th- we've gotten pretty friendly over the years. Yeah. And it's because of these movies. And when I watched Bone Tomahawk, I was blown away. Yes. And I, and I, any movie that I love, I have to immediately know everything about it. Yeah. And I, and I saw that you mortgaged your house. Yeah. And, and my hero is John Cassavetes. And that yeah. is like the, the great, and we're both Greek. So it, it plays a bit of a part there, but you know, he, he, he did that like on every movie. He was just like, ah, I just mortgaged the house. Yeah. And his poor wife, I mean, who's, you know, a, a legend in her own right, but God, that there had to be some, yeah. there had to be some, months where they were really sweating it. Oh, I thought, I thought I was, I thought I was done. I thought yeah. I literally was going to lose my house. Um, <laughs> we, we went, we went, uh, 21 days on the last day. Of, I mean, sorry, we went 21 hours on the last day of shooting. And, and let me say the, the cast was not happy, but you know, <laughs> what, what, what were they going to do? I mean, you know, uh, we had to finish the movie, but I, I, I literally thought, Oh my gosh, I, I'm going to lose my house. Like mm-hmm. this is just, you know, this, this movie is so crazy. Um, actually what happened, the, what, what happened was we, we finished the movie, we were in post mm-hmm. and we sent a cut of the movie to the Toronto film festival. Okay. Now I've had many movies play at the Toronto Film Festival, including Zoller movies. Yeah. And the programmer at the time called me back and said, "This I hate this movie so much. Why did you send it to me?" And I was like, "Whoa, what?" I was like, "What?" what? It's like he had wow. such a visceral reaction, and I thought, "Oh my god, I'm going to lose my house." What I what I what I had what 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 I also had is I had the fa- the invitation to Fantastic Fest, mm-hmm. and so and so I knew I had a landing pad, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so when Tiff, uh, when Toronto <laughs> told us basically to go fuck off, yeah. uh, I knew we had I knew we had uh, uh, the the Fantastic Fest invitation, and that it was going to be a perfect place to launch the movie. So in many ways, not premiering at Cannes, not premiering at uh, Toronto was a blessing because when we premiered it at, at, at Fantastic Fest, which, mm-hmm. you know, at the time we were the biggest movie to ever play there, essentially, a premiere there, I should say, mm-hmm. um, they went crazy. They went crazy. And the funny thing is the first two tweets that came in on Bone Tomahawk were awful. They were yeah. like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And then it just started. And it was thousands of tweets in a row. And it was unstoppable. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're we're saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine imagine that feeling. What what year was that, Tiff? Uh, uh 2015. 2015. Okay. Yeah. Um uh fantastic fest, yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking uh, there's it makes me laugh because I think the 2017 TIFF was when uh, Louis C.K. brought I Love You, Daddy. Yeah. And it's not, it's not on YouTube anymore. I don't know what yeah. happened to it, but there yeah. was this hour-long <laughs> conversation with Louis and I think the two programmers well, who are, who are uh, blowing him, for a, for a lack of oh, a better yeah. term, for yeah. one hour. Yeah. And then yeah. eh, the video's well, gone. I mean, I, we, the, 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 the rewriting of history to remove... 
us the unwashed yeah. uh, is so funny to me. I mean, it's almost hysterical. <laughs> uh, I, 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 you know, I, it's, it's, it's troublesome because if you, if, if you sort of remove half of the country from the conversation, mm-hmm. we're going to leave, we're going to leave the conversation eventually. And we're going to go build our own, our own conversations. We're going to start having our own, our own conversations, man. This divide is going to get so bad. It's going yeah. to get so much worse than it is right now by mm-hmm. a level, by a magnitude, by an mm-hmm. exponent. Um, and, and we'll see if the country can survive, but it is, it's, it's not going to get better anytime soon. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's depressing all over, but it's yeah. in the realm of movies, which, you know, you and I live in. Yeah. It's, it's super depressing. It's super... Um, and we'll, we'll touch on that in a minute, but, and I, I just want to say that I, but it, watching dragged across con- concrete was the one where I was like, I got to email this guy. And I'm a big proponent yeah. of just cold emailing and just being like, you yeah. made a masterpiece. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I've told you this before, but I love telling, you know, everybody I talk to and anybody who's going to listen to this, which is, yeah, there's a moment in that movie where there's just 10 minutes of this setup and payoff that comes out of nowhere and you're kind of like what's going on and you're you just all of a sudden are are following new characters and it's a new mother and she's it's so beautifully written and the payoff is so devastating yeah that i had to stand up pause the movie and walk around the block for 20 minutes like it shook me that much and i was like okay i can watch this again and it's just it's such a such a fantastic movie. Well, well, that that uh, obviously we had worked with Jennifer Carpenter uh, on Brawl, and so we knew uh-huh. her, and we'd seen her devastated on screen before, and 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 so Zoller really had a comfort level with her, and so he he I don't know if I could say I don't know if he wrote the role for her, but mm-hmm. it was hers from the start, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was it was designed to go to her from the beginning, so. When we were putting the movie together, raising the money and putting the financing together, every offer that we got was contingent on cutting that scene. That whole yes, sequence. Imagine. Yeah. Um, they were just supposed to come in and rob the bank and shoot the place up. Mm-hmm. And the one, here's the sad news. The one place that we found in the whole film world that would finance the movie with that scene in it Mm-hmm. tried to cut it in post. Oh, wow. Tried to backdoor so, it, yeah. So, 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 so we, we shot the movie, we went through post-production, and they basically came up with this cockamamie scheme uh, to team everyone up against us um, to try and cut the movie, and their biggest note was that sequence, right? Yeah. Lo- everyone wanted to cut it, and that scene is, in my opinion touching on sort of movie masterpiece mm-hmm. uh, level, level masterpiece level movie making. And I can't, I, I wouldn't, I, there's no way I would let that scene go. And Zoller certainly wouldn't, you know, right. but um, you know, my job as, as a producer and, you know, as Zoller's producer essentially is to basically allow him to do what he needs to do I can't protect him from everything, but I, I protect him from 92% of the stuff that he doesn't want to deal with. Yeah. And it's like, what's sad about that is like, she's so great in her scenes. Yeah. Why would we cut this fantastic performance from an actress? I mean, it's just, it's bonkers. So yeah, I mean, I had to email you. I was like, this, yeah. I gotta, I, one day I have to work with this guy. I have yeah. to, this guy's making the movies that I want to see. Yeah, uh, which is you know the movies that I want to see is increasingly <laughs> getting narrow. I just constantly, yeah. I, I think it's like um, I like torture myself by reading Deadline or something and just being like, yeah. oh, never gonna watch that, never gonna watch that. <laughs> yeah, my new rule is like if I can read the Wikipedia in five minutes, right? It's like, well, why yeah. you know save yeah. save your money because I'm gonna save mine. Well, if you look at if you look at specifically, uh, maybe I'm being unfair to this year of movies because of mm-hmm. COVID, but I don't think so. Um, if you look at the movies that are playing in festivals this year that are going to be 
for the past calendar, you know, for the past 12 months, so to speak, mm-hmm. you look at the movies that, that, that played in the festivals for the most part and that were uh, nominated for Golden Globes and, and we all know what the Oscar list is going to be. Yeah. There's so little I want to see. Right. It's, it's, it's actually sad right Mm -hmm. now I get my screeners from the PGA. I was like, there's like three in here. I want to see. I enjoyed a lot of nomad land. I thought it was really interesting. That's the one Um, I would, I would probably watch because it's about something. It's about a world that I don't know about. So I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm kind of into that. and it and, and and it's so it's so committed to its sort of cinema verite mm-hmm. that there really isn't a lot of like you know shove an agenda down my throat right yeah. it, it borders on some aspects of America that I found slightly inauthentic in the movie because I know I feel like I probably you know know a lot about those those aspects of, of American life but Certainly, all the stuff with the the van life—that stuff's really fascinating. Yeah, and, totally. Um, and 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 I, and I sort of wish it had a stronger ending, but maybe that was the point. Um, but she deserves the Oscar, probably sight unseen this year. You yeah. know, um, and 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 I think that's great. But 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 I look at the Sundance movies this year, and I'm like, what the like. I don't, I don't want to see any of these. You know, I have a unique perspective on it, and l- l- maybe maybe this will make sense. But, you know, my background, also besides trying to make sell scripts and make movies, yeah, is doing comedy. Yeah. And I've been out in L.A. for 14 years, and I've yeah. in the stand-up world and the improv world. And one thing I noticed as I got older and then younger improvisers yeah. came onto the scene yeah. was, man, a lot of what I dubbed dad, I'm going to college scenes. And it would just be people on a stage. And that was the drama that like, I'm going to college. And then, you know, this boring, unfunny scene would take place. Right. I would see it everywhere. And, and yeah. I really, I realized like, Oh, it's due to a lack of uh, life experience right. or any sort of like thing. That's not about you. Yeah. And now sadly, the people that were doing those scenes as like 19 to 23 year olds are now making movies. Yeah. And boy, I just feel like I'm seeing a lot of like, this yeah. is your myopic yeah. view of the world. Well, I, I think um, everything to me is, is it authentic? Is it organic? And what is the intention? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, those are, those are big sort of important words to me. So when I was a representative, I was a manager in, in Hollywood for a decade. Uh, I worked at UTA for a number of years on my way to becoming an agent and ended up as a manager instead. And I was really good. Like I was quintessential in the success of Greta Gerwig. Uh, yeah. Big part of launching the career of Leslie Headland, who has Russian Doll on Netflix and is doing a Star Wars movie. And just, we just um, sent her a script, actually. Oh, Great. So she's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So Leslie Headland, Greta Gerwig, Jenny Lumet, who wrote mm-hmm. Rachel Getting Married, now has Clarice on CBS. Yeah. Jessica Goldberg, who had uh, The Path on Hulu and uh, Cherry for the Russo Brothers and all of these great things. I was, 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 I was representing strong, independent amazingly talented women before it was even like uh, uh, popular, right? Mm-hmm. In Vogue. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't doing it because I was trying to fill a quota, or pat myself on the back or signal, signal all my virtue. Mm-hmm. I was doing it because they were, they deserve to be, to be seen. Yeah. That their work was literal art. And their words were powerful, and I was interested in it, right? It had nothing to do with politics or gender or any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, what has happened since, and you can tie it strictly to uh, Obama's second term and Benghazi and lying to the American people and all of these moments that happened around that time period, the world shifted, right? Mm-hmm. 
truth was upside down. Uh, everything was about something else all of a sudden. And I was looking at Hollywood being like, ah, something's coming. This is weird. This is, this is, this is, this is, I'm having conversations with people and they're talking in in ways I don't even recognize anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to be happy doing my thing in the traditional system. I need to go outside the system, build my own ecosystem. And so that's what I did. So that's, that's why I left California, sold my house to Kylie Jenner of all the people in the universe. (laughs) And, uh, and then ended up uh, moving to Texas and sort of and sort of making movies outside the system with 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 one one foot still in the system. So sure, yeah, yeah. I think like what people, especially after this pandemic, and I and I've been asking this question a lot of people of like where where do you watch stuff? Like what is the thing that you love? Yeah. And the answers that I'm getting are are fascinating because. I looked at it like I don't. I can't even remember the last time I turned on Netflix. Yeah. Unless Chappelle uh, yeah. releases something. Yeah. And uh, by the way, if Netflix, if you're listening, you you can definitely make our movie. But because uh, <laughs> I think they probably own whatever we're recording this on. <laughs> but the um, but the problem is like, or the thing that I'm interested in is it's yeah. going to be independent creators. Yes. And I'm seeing, especially again in the world of comedy, you're seeing a lot of comedians just be like, I don't need, I don't need a television show yeah, to reach an audience and to make money. And, and, the, yeah. and a guy that I love who I, I don't know if you're aware of, but uh, he's the funniest stand-up comic now is a guy named Tim Dillon yep. who just moved to Texas. Yes. And I think is making like 90 grand a month or something on Patreon. Yeah. Um, selling out shows. And this is a guy who has real reach. Yeah. It's not this kind of fake, like I got 300,000 followers on Twitter and my tweets get like 10 likes, you know, it's like, what is this? I mean, every tweet gets like two to 5,000 likes. You go to his Instagram, it's the same numbers. If you go to his Patreon, it's the same numbers. It's like, yeah. And because he's, uh, as the New York times has warned us, talk unfettered talk. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, and it's not even to me, it's like not even anything what he's saying is controversial. I mean, right. I think I posted not too long ago on Instagram of like all the people who are like, oh, I wish Bill Hicks was here for the Trump years. You guys would have burned him at the stake. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah. And Bill Hicks was a liberal guy. Right. But the thing is, you can't, you couldn't control what Bill Hicks was going to say. And people like that, like, we're not just going to parrot whatever the narrative is. They have their own thoughts. And, uh, you know, and now you're seeing this because you're in the middle of this culture war. If if you put a list together, if you put two lists together and put them side by side of the people in my life who I no longer can work with because of politics Mm -hmm. and who I now can work with because of politics, Mm -hmm. it's literally a bunch of losers versus a bunch of juggernauts yeah uh in my favor and it it is it has opened so many doors i gotta say like i love all these movies that i've made but i personally didn't have tim dylan's audience right Mm -hmm. so i so i don't i didn't i didn't have a large twitter following for Mm -hmm. i was too busy making movies and I didn't want to build up a social media following. Um, uh, I am I am having fun on Instagram right now, but yeah, <laughs> um, but 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 really, like uh, for me, by connecting to the Daily Wire and by having Ben Shapiro, who is trusted daily by millions of people, mm-hmm. say we are backing this movie. You should watch it. Mm-hmm. was extraordinary. Yeah. I, I have never experienced anything like that ever before. And, um, and, and you better believe I'm, I'm doubling down on it because it's just what an amazing opportunity. And then to be able to sort of be a catalyst for the Gina Carano situation and, you know, help deliver her to the Daily Wire and announce a movie with her within 36 hours mm-hmm. of... Star Wars 
bullying her and stepping way out of bounds uh, in their statement uh, about her and trying to put words in her mouth about what she said. Yeah. Um, we were able to strike back so quickly. And man, the, 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 the announcement that we made became bigger news than the original Star Wars firing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about the, the movie that they released, your latest movie, Run, Hide, wait, I always say it wrong. Run, Hide, Fight. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. And I thought, I, I thought it really struck the right tone, which is like, okay, it's an uncomfortable premise. But, I, and I have so many confused thoughts about it, or just more about the uh, reaction to it. Yeah. Um, but first, I mean, like, how did... How did this movie come to you? What was your initial, what was your own initial reaction? Well, nine times out of 10, when a script comes to me, it's been passed on by the people who pay a lot more money than I do mm-hmm. for scripts and for, you know, movie financing. So I, I have to initially try and gauge what everyone else's reaction was to it. Mm-hmm. But if people are still pushing it after Paramount's passed, after Universal's passed, after A24 have passed, mm-hmm. uh, then it means that the agent really loves it or there's something there, right? right? Why is it still, why are they still spending time on it? Agents hate, hate wasting time. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that, I think that the great part about Run, Hide, Fight was when it came to me, the agent was saying, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope, right? Right, right. And I really was. What was surprising about that project was when I brought it to all the people in my life who had made a lot of money off of my movies, for the first time, they balked. They balked. Okay. They said, Dallas, why, why do you have to make this, man? Why can't we just go make a Bruce Willis action movie? Like, why... why why this movie? Like, mm-hmm. and I said, well, first of all, a good script is a good script. And if it's a good script, it deserves to be made. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but second of all, this one was a little more personal to me because I had lost my parents in domestic gun violence situations, separate occasions. Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was a way to honor their legacy and not let their deaths go in vain. Um, right. So they didn't have a chance to fight back in their situations. And so I, I felt like this was a cool opportunity to sort of personify my own experience, right? And my own wishes and, and, and sort of, you know, dreams about, you know, having my parents still around. So mm-hmm. it, it, it became personal and I put the movie on my shoulders and I raised the money. I cast the movie. Uh, certainly uh, with the help of our director and our casting director. And, you know, it was a team effort on that front. But, but, I, but I basically put my reputation on, on the line with the agents and managers saying, come do this movie with me. Here's why it's going to be special. And eventually we got the movie into production. I, I was there every day on set. We finished the movie. And when we took it to the Venice Film Festival, we got slaughtered by the critics, just mm-hmm. slaughtered. They were, uh, uh, they, they were, they were critiquing the movie's subject matter. Right they, now, now, now they would, they would hide it under the veil of critiquing the movie's technical aspects. But I'm sorry, I don't buy it. Um, no. And so I'm not going to call out a specific. A critic, because I think that would be unfair. But I felt that the general critique was coming from a place that I don't, I don't review movies that way. I don't review movies, but you know what I'm saying? Like right, I don't right, sit right. There and review a movie's personal politics of which a movie really doesn't have any. Um, as creators, we were not shoving an agenda down anyone's throat. In fact, we were just trying to create a conversation. Yeah. So, so I think once the, once the critics came after me, came after the movie, came after the, my, my personal politics, things like that, um, I, I, was, I was like, I was back in that bone tomahawk mode of like, we're screwed. We have to fix this immediately. 
Mm-hmm. So, for example, I called Fox <clears throat> News, right? I called Fox News. I tried to get Fox News to buy the movie. Yeah. Fox News, Greg Gutfeld over there is a big fan of my movies. He's one of the uh, uh, guys who has his own show. Mm-hmm. And they all just thought it was too violent, right, for the Fox News brand. I understood that. Mm-hmm. I'd had, a, I'd had a, a coffee with Ben Shapiro about a year and a half prior and we talked about movies and we talked about politics and we talked about all kinds of interesting stuff. And at the end I said, let's make a movie together. And he said, that sounds great. But like, you know, if, if we make a movie together, I'm gonna have to stay in the background. Cause if you put my name on it, we'll get killed. I was like, what are you kidding me? We're going to put your name all over the movie. <laughs> um, so we made the movie separately and then I brought it to the daily wire after the fact, when I remembered and sort of, you know, that conversation that I had with Ben and so he introduced me to Jeremy Boring, who's his uh, CEO and partner. Mm-hmm. And we made a deal. And, and, and I'll tell you, like, for all the rough challenges that I've felt releasing movies independently in Hollywood with, with multiple distributors, mm-hmm. I've never felt more internal support for marketing and trailer creation and posters and everything. It was such a wonderful experience that I cannot evangelize enough the greatness of working with the Daily Wire on this movie. And that's why we're doing it again on Gina Carano and probably a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, totally. So so everyone can take their personal politics and shove it in their ass. (laughs) I, I I I don't care. I need my movies to be seen by the most people possible. Absolutely, yeah. And so I have my personal politics, I'm an open conservative movie producer, mm-hmm. proud of it, but I don't bring my personal politics into the note sessions with the scripts. It's right, like, right, it right. Work like that. Right. In fact, in fact, I think that I have a little bit of an anarchist streak. If you look at the movies I've made and the movies that appeal to me, a lot of times I'm making movies that are literally making fun of conservatives. So I, I, I think my nose is clean on this one, and I think pe- people are going to have to get over the fact that like movies can be appealing to multiple audiences, some of which are, 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 are more comfortable mm-hmm. watching my movies than what's mm-hmm. coming out of the traditional Hollywood system right now. And that's just a business opportunity for me, but it's also a chance to appeal to, a, to an audience that's been absolutely forgotten in this, yeah. in this, in this, what, what, what I might even call an overcorrection. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, as a comedian, my goal is to make everyone laugh. And if I'm just making the people that think the same way that I think I'm failing, I don't want yeah. that. That's not the audience I want. And I, and I think it's also part of growing up in the Midwest. I'm just like, at, you know, I was literally split down the middle. Like yeah. half, half the families were uh, working class Democrats and the other half were conservative but what I, what, what's very puzzling about the response to uh, Run, Hide, Fight is just if I just described it to someone, which is like, here's a movie with a female protagonist who takes matters into her own hand. There's a little, uh, there's a subplot, uh, you know, with an interracial romantic subplot. That, that guy's very good in the movie too, by the way. I can't remember his name. Um, then you have, they're sort of fighting against uh, a bunch of cis white male uh, terrorists. And then the dad gets involved, right? Thomas Jane playing, uh, yep. I, I can't never look at him and not think of uh, Boogie Nights. Right. Just, uh, you know. um, but he gets involved. There's a moment, spoiler alert, where he sort of saves his daughter by shooting one of the terrorists. But then we see him, he's in the cop car. It's not like uh, everyone was like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like celebrated that. Yeah. This, in a way, it sounds almost like a very progressive movie, in a way. Yeah. I'm just like, you're just telling a story from this particular uh, standpoint. I mean, it's just, it's, it's weird to me. But uh, it's not weird when you, because nobody can win, right? I was going to joke with you earlier if you watched the uh, Golden Globes. Yeah, because I didn't watch him, but I was very surprised. Sia's movie didn't win a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'll indulge me for one second, because I think I think it's pretty funny. And 
Yeah. I can sort of make my point without bringing uh, your film into it. Sure. But here are some reviews of music, which is a movie Sia made that is about an autistic young woman. Right. Um, and these are on Letterboxd, so I don't think these are professional reviewers, but sure. I, I don't think it's you know, out of the realm of what uh, we're seeing anywhere anyway. So um, Max Vincent gave it zero stars. Uh, Ill-conceived is but one word to approach this downright criminal film containing the most dangerous on-screen representation of mental health since Harmony Korine's Julian Donkey Boy. Another a great movie, by the way. Uh, it's one thing to cast a neurotypical actor that I had to look that up uh, to play an autistic character. It's another to make that character look and sound completely dumb with all the bug eye and incoherent mumbling found in Simple Jack, but actually used to seriously portray autism. Uh, I just want to go down a little bit of, um, he, he ends this with burn every copy of this to hell and back. And then there's one more nuanced review. <laughs> That really made me laugh. Um, yeah, this is it. This is by Colin at Kenny Beats is the Police. Whatever. Uh, one star. As someone whose whole entire job has been working with autistic people for the past two years, Sia is a complete twit. <laughs> what an absolute idiot. Even people who, nothing, who know nothing about the autistic community know that Autism Speaks is a group full of weirdos who are essentially for conversion therapy and, embracing, and against embracing the beauty. I don't know what that means. Uh, Autism Speaks is some, one of the numerous you know, uh, groups. Yeah. I don't know. But I don't know what embracing yeah. the beauty means either. Sure. Um, uh, this person goes on and on. Uh, and at the end just goes, edit. Finally watched the movie. <laughs> so this whole review was before the person even watched it. Yeah. yeah. And surprise, it's garbage. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know what to say, man. I, these are, these, these well, don't seem like we're even talking about movies, that we're talking about political screeds or something. That you Yeah. Know? Well, so two things. Number one, imagine being that soft. Right. Imagine being that soft. I... I, I I can't even identify with their thought process. I've never felt like that. I've never thought like that. I've never been taught like that. Mm. Nothing. No one in my life ever acted like that ever. Mm -hmm. So I just don't even, I, I, I look at them and, and it's like, I'm, I'm looking at people I don't even recognize. Yeah. So, so the problem, and, and that's, and that's a big reason why I got out of the horror community because the horror community has been, has become a safe space for that type of attitude. And so, you know, I'm out, whatever, I'll go make Rambo. Um, in the meantime, everything is going to be a political decision, right? Yeah. Where you shop for groceries is going to be political. You're starting to see Whole Foods and Amazon go one direction, mm -hmm. and you're starting to see Trader Joe's go another direction. Yeah. Trader Joe's just fired a guy because he complained about their mask policy. Yeah. So you're gonna to start to see a break, a shift. Republicans are gonna get their gas at Exxon because that's a fossil fuel company. Yeah. And Democrats are gonna get their uh, uh, gas at BP because BP is virtue signaling all the things they've done to try to make everyone forget that they just spilled hundreds of millions of gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. Right, right, right. Everything becomes political. Adidas, conservative, Nike, liberal, the whole thing, the whole world. And it's gonna come down, it's gonna invade every aspect of your life for at least the next three to four years and probably seven to eight, mm -hmm. okay? And it's going to get so much worse. And so in, in a way, like when my kids are fighting, they need a timeout and they need to go to their corners or they need to just go play on their iPads for a minute, mm -hmm. leave each other alone. We're, we're, we're all a bunch of children right now and we need our timeout. 
we probably need to go into our corners and leave each other alone. So I don't want to hear about unity from Bruce Springsteen or Joe Biden or any of these people. I'm not interested in that. And, and neither are they. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pandering message uh, to try and, and, and seem like they are a certain way. There is not going to be a lot of unity right now, and it's going to pervade. It's it's already it's already in the movie business in such a strong way, um, and so you're going to see the movie industry divide in two. You're going to see it divide in two, and um, I, I, you know I didn't I didn't start the fire, I didn't create this fight, I didn't ask for it, but when someone comes after me and my livelihood and calls me all these names or says puts all these words in my mouth you better believe I'm going to react to it. You better yeah, believe yeah. I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to figure out how to get my movies made because my movies are good and my movies deserve to be made and these filmmakers deserve to be supported. So I'm going to outwork everyone. I'm going to outthink everyone and I'm going to persevere no matter the amount of attacks. In fact, I'll kind of become the bulletproof vest for everyone else that wants to make movies like me and I'll go out there into the field and get shot up and then everyone will be looking at Dallas. We got to stop that guy. And then you know what? They'll turn around, and in five years from now, there will be twenty-five of me, and we'll be unstoppable. Yeah. Uh, just which side is going to make movies like McCabe and Mrs. Miller? I just need to know. I just need oh, to know it's, which. Uh, it, it, it's not. It's not going to be. It's not going to be the far left. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, I spent a lot of time in thinking about Bonfire Legend, my new company, and how I wanted to brand it and sort of go about it. And I was in, in, in incredibly inspired by the new Hollywood of the 70s and even the late 60s. Easy Rider, sorry to, sorry to ruin a bunch of safe spaces, but Easy Rider is going to come from people like me. Now, it's mm-hmm. not... Not, no, not easy, not the actual movie, right? but a movie that has that type of attitude <clears throat> is going to come from now, believe it or not, I'm the counterculture, right? Exactly. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, it, it's when, when you have the entire industrial complex of big Hollywood and you share the same politics, the same thoughts, and you have the mainstream media in your pocket, you are not counterculture anymore. You are not hip and cool. You are the man already. Exactly. Yeah. And it's embarrassing and they don't get it. So I'll just keep being the renegade. I'll keep, you know, absolute truth overall. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm a fiscal conservative and I make fiscally conservative movies in terms of the budgets. <laughs> so, right, right, right. So, you know, I, 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 look, I think this, I think this is the biggest moment in my career in many ways, this yeah. moment in time. And I'm going to take as much uh, opportunity as I can to make as many great movies as possible, because I think everything that's happened to me, with my parents, with my career, with the attacks from the press, with, with trying to build companies that were, you know, both sides-isms. It's all come down to this moment. And I think, especially, I mean, keep in mind, I'm now interacting with my audience directly. Yeah. They are so rabid for these types of movies. And they came out in such support of Run, Hide, Fight and Gina Carano that I know we're doing this right. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be a big moment, but I am sad that there is no unity and that big Hollywood is where it is right now. And none of us want to get along. And that's a shame, but it's not fixable right now. Yeah. A big shame. And, um, in, I mean, you know, I think you're a smart guy and, and I hope that you and the daily wire, I mean, I, there's like a vacuum there, which is like create your own, Netflix. I mean, I have no idea what the bandwidth it takes to create that, but yeah. And that's not coming from a standpoint of like, I want to see, and I don't think you would make this, but like, yeah. cause you've already said it, but like, you know, Republican man, you know, who say, who, who trashes all the, destroys all the libs. You would never make never that. Make I mean, but what, uh, but like, you I will never make, make, I will never make a movie called cry libs. I'll never do it. Yeah. And it's like that, that is, it's like the easy writers. It's, it's the movies 
because I'm looking at it from a writer's standpoint of when I go to pitch or to sit down and go through a script and it's just the constant, like you see people's reaction to something that is just drama in a movie. You know, it's like, it's the conflict and they're like, Oh, I don't know how this is going to play. Oh, you know, and just red lines, like you said, you know, they try to get rid of yeah. that great scene and dragged across concrete. Like, and I don't even know if that's political, whatever that is. That's like the biggest issue now. We just, these kind of lame it's, movies. It's, well, well, it's all the algorithm, right? <clears throat> so uh, when, when you submit a project now to a studio, it doesn't, I mean, it gets read by a human. Uh, you know, decades ago, it would be read by a human who had amazing taste in movies. Yeah. Understood the audience who understood the theatrical distribution space, and they would ultimately make the call, right? Mm -hmm. Over time, it became that, but by committee, right? Now, there is a computer that you put the script into, and it spits out an algorithm, right? And if you don't fit the profile, then you are not a easy win for them. Now, look, the audience has to take some personal responsibility here. If we're yeah. a bunch of lemmings who, you know, uh, watch the same crap on Netflix and, and, and don't want to be challenged, well, then, then, then my industry is going to be really small. Yeah. Uh, my part of the industry is going to be really small. And, and, and I think the, the fact that movie theaters are in such trouble uh, they will never return to the way we, we, we remember them as. Yeah. There will, there will be, we will go to the movie theater for Top Gun 2 and Pixar and Marvel and Star Wars, but we won't go for any independent movies. We won't even go for the mid-level movies. I mean, I, I remember I watched uh, the Denzel movie Little Fires recently on HBO Max, and I thought... I, I like this movie better because I'm sitting on my couch right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would have, I would have resented it more. It's flaws if I was in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, it's tough. I, 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 a part of me is old, old man yells at cloud, but part of me is trying to fight back, you know, and try to try to still make movies that, that, I don't know, frankly, resembles something more that I want to see or movies that I used to like watching back in the day. Yeah. Um, uh, another, another thing that I'm really got, I just want to ring the bell on is physical media. So not only do these movies go off and on the streaming services kind of at random, you know, they, they parse out, you know, this movie's going to be on for this year and then it's going to go away for a year to create demand. The other problem is all the censorship in such a major way. So if you owned uh, one of these movies and they get deleted, mm-hmm. then you're at risk of them, Apple, iTunes, or Amazon Prime, sort of uh, uh, capturing back your digital copy in a yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really dangerous. But then also... Uh, I want to watch 30 Rock as a time capsule. Yeah. I want to watch Little Britain as a time capsule. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to watch, I won't allow myself to watch a censored episode of those shows. Mm-hmm. So I love those shows. I have, I have good memories watching those shows when they were on air. Yeah. So I, own the, so I own the Blu-rays so that nobody can take it away from me. Yeah, that's a great point. I I, I hope that it, comes back in some way. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, well, you know, like vinyl came back. Like it's such a weird thing that like vinyl records. I mean, I got a whole two, two stacks back behind me. I mean, that definitely, there's, there's a, there's a model there. I'm not, I'm just not entirely sure what it is. And, and I think maybe that there's a good avenue with movie theaters struggling the way they are. And then the repeal of that paramount, uh, yeah. from 70 some years ago, which is like, I don't know, maybe the daily wire eventually buys a movie theater in Nashville. 
And well, I'm not a I, I'm I'm not a, a finance director at Amazon mm-hmm. or or Netflix, but they have had multiple opportunities to buy movie theaters, mm-hmm. and maybe they're just waiting for the valuations to go down. Uh, yeah. Certainly, Netflix bought the Egyptian theater, but that's really more for a marketing uh, type thing. Yeah. Um, to play their their movies and on screens to qualify for the Oscars, but um, I don't know, man. They they've had those opportunities and they've never taken them up. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be interesting, but I think I think home entertainment is democratizing in some ways for independent movies because I'm not sure anyone cares anymore who was the distributor of the movie. Right, um, right. Like for for weeks. Uh, there was a sort of a bizarre Jessica Chastain movie called Ava, and it was always on top of iTunes. And it just goes to show what a massive you know, movie star she is and what a great actress she is. The movie's fine. I mean, it was directed by Tate Taylor, which is sort of bizarre. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, but uh, that movie, no, uh, 0.1% of people who watched that movie could tell you who the distributor was. Yeah, yeah. No one knows. I think only the guy at the Daily Beast knows who's distributing movies. <laughs> <laughs> my my pals over at the DB. Yeah, which that guy also, I I I am I'm aware of who he is because I think every week, I mean, it would be like every Saturday almost, yeah. he writes an article about Bill Maher trying to get him canceled, trying to find the thing that will stick. I mean, it's like every yeah. week he's like, Bill Maher said this. Bill Maher, it's like, is this the way you want to live your life? You want to just write these articles? Because these writers are miserable human beings. Mm-hmm. And they want to, they, they look at folks who are out there building businesses, raising families, living their lives, having a great time. And they want to drag you down into their misery. Yeah. That's what this is. This, this is, this is jealousy and uh, disgust. It's classism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, both, both of my parents were, you know, very middle class, from very middle class families in Shreveport, Louisiana. My dad moved to Dallas, Texas with no money. Uh, my, my first, uh, 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 when I was born, I was born into an apartment with a one bedroom for my parents, and I think my crib was in the living room. So, you know, my, my dad was self-made, I certainly benefited from that, but I also worked my butt off and I didn't go into his business. Mm-hmm. So he didn't help me. He didn't call the head of UTA and get me the job. Like none of that happened. Um, right, right. That was, that, was, that was my own hustle. I don't know if these people understand hustle. They understand attack. They understand, you know, knocking you down. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll tell you two things. One, we, we, the folks who've been canceled, so to speak, we've learned how to adapt and we've learned how to fight back and we've learned how to survive. Conversely, the, the, the folks on the sidelines are starting to not like the way that the world feels right now. Yeah. So you're having a lot of people who are sitting on the sidelines terrified of getting canceled themselves starting to be more vocal on Twitter, be more vocal on online, things like that. And so in, in five years from now, uh, when, when, when the millennials shift through the advertising demographic and the world sort of mellows out a little bit after it gets worse, it's going to get worse and then it'll get better, right? It's always yeah. how the pendulum swings. Um, once the pendulum swings back, in 10, 20 years, we're going to look back on the late 2010s, early 2020s, and fucking laugh at people. We're yeah. going to laugh at them. They're going to be they're they're going to be such jokes, and they're going to be almost in in in, in their own way a sort of neo racist. And so, I really don't. I, I don't. I, I don't. I stopped trying to, to, to make them like me mm-hmm. um, and it's freeing and I'm happy to be, uh, as Dan Bongino calls us, the unwashed, but, um, <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's freeing and I'll tell you, it's a lot of fun on this side of the fence. A yeah. lot of fun. We're having a blast. I can tell. And now 
you know, we'll see, uh, uh, you know, I'm rooting for Gina's movie. Um, yeah. You had, did you read 60 screenplays? Yes, I've read, I've read at least 80 now. Oof. Yeah. How many were, how many were, <laughs> we did, we did, we did have a, we did have a winter storm that shut sure. Texas down for like yeah. six days. So it was good timing, but yeah. And I had, I had uh, my colleagues here at the office were filtering some of them for me, but yeah. And they know to read the first 10 pages, not like it and move on. But yeah, we, we, uh, I, I personally went through 60 scripts in that week and now on, you know, I think when it comes to finding a script for Gina, it's a challenge because we want to lean into, uh, you know, her, her core audience and what they like about her. Right. Mm. A strong, strong woman, a strong human, a strong, uh, fighter, you know, but, but, but in the proverbial sense, right. Yeah. Um, but not be expected. I don't want to do woman gets kidnapped and wakes up from, you know, uh, being drugged and finds herself in the, in, in an underground cage fighting, you right. know, ring and, and, and has to fight for her life. None of that, none of that. I want to, I want to turn some expectations on, on their head, but while staying in, uh, the genres and the, uh, storylines that I think she will thrive in and her audience will appreciate. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm seeing, I feel like I'm seeing it turn for the better with her of just people being like, wait, what exactly happened? What did she tweet? Yeah. I mean, like some people are like, wait, I compared people to Hitler two days before. I mean, I thought yeah. that was kind of uh, yeah. where we're at. And I want to give a little props to Bill Burr, the comedian who I love, who yes. just recently kind of came out and supported her in a way, you know, I, I, they're having a conversation on a podcast, but you know, he says she was an absolute yeah. sweetheart, super nice fucking person. And he, you know, he's going on, it says, uh, it's, it's fucking crazy times. People are just waiting, laying in the yeah. weeds. And he goes, and, uh, he's like, now I got to watch what the fuck I say. This is Bill Burr, a stand up comedian yeah. who does not yeah. hold punches. And I'm, I'm telling Burr, you're probably, I know your past specials and some of the wording you used, it's probably yeah. over. You don't even know it. Yeah. yeah. Because what I thought people should have been alarmed with Gina's case is whether you agree politically or not, doesn't matter. Dis the way Disney just discarded her and was just like, goodbye, you don't exist yeah. anymore. Like, yeah. like she wasn't one of the stars of their flagship show. And she's yeah. out there, you know, in the park checking heights for Space Mountain. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Yes. I, that's what's scary to me. I mean, I... Well, well let, me, let me say to that, I have, as a, as a free market capitalist, I have zero issue with Star Wars not wanting to work with her. That is mm -hmm. absolutely their right. It is mm -hmm. their corporate uh, culture, and, and they have every right. They dropped the, the the thing that gets me a little miffed is is like you said they dropped her right yeah like like so unceremoniously and the hypocrisy of the fact that some of her co-stars were doing arguably worse but on the other side of the political fence and not even being reprimanded for it right so but where I really go I where I really go red where I just lose my mind is the statement that they made putting words in her mouth, claiming yeah. that she said this, this, or that. Right. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. No way. You don't get to do that. And so that's what set me off. And then when UTA fired her, oh, man, I, I, I went crazy. So I had to, I had to do something, right? Mm -hmm. I, was, I was online that night, and I was seeing as sort of, you know, one would expect, the political divide happened instantly on Twitter. Yeah. And the, peop the folks on the right were supporting her. So I had that, I had that clarity that this was going to turn political instantly, and it did. And then I said to myself, if I don't do something right now, if I don't get Ben and Jeremy engaged at DW, if I don't get her manager on the phone, if I don't connect them all together, if I don't sort of manage the, you know, the whole situation and bring it home, we need to announce this movie the next morning, you know, the day after, the, the, the morning after the next day, so mm -hmm. 36 hours after it happened. And by the way, it was a Friday 
We got it done. If we'd waited until Monday, the whole, the whole world would have moved on by then. It would have moved on. Sure. Yeah. I, I agree. So that was a great important. move. It was so important. So, so that's where, that's where my skill set of sort of willing things into existence and putting everyone together and, you know, navigating the tough situations, I think really, really, you know, I thrive in those moments and I think we nailed it. Yeah, so. I agree. And, you know, they sort of charged her with saying anti-Semitic remarks and, uh, you know, full disclosure, I don't really listen to Mr. Shapiro's podcast, but I think he might be Jewish, right? Am I correct? Oh, yes. Yeah, so. it's Orthodox Jewish. <laughs> you know, just... Uh, just something to think about. And, and, and he and, and, and Ben, ben and uh, Gina had a great conversation about it. And, and, and I echo Ben's sentiments. Is it something I would have posted? No. Nope. Yeah. Nope. I wouldn't have. But is it someone I would condemn someone else for posting? Absolutely not. So I think, I think that hope, I know, I know that I've given and the Daily Wire guys have given not only a great opportunity to Gina, but also a lot of hope for people who are really scared out there, mm-hmm. who don't have her social media following or you know, our experience or our, our, our position in, in the industry or, or, or even our net worth. You know? um, and so that has been, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased with how many people have reached out and said, what you did was inspiring me to be strong. And I, I love that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, to, to, to add a little thing on the Bill Burr of it all, um, I, I, I've, I've had conversations with folks in Hollywood about where this is all heading. Uh, I can see it from a macro. I felt it on a micro. I've been attacked. Mm-hmm. But I felt it on a macro. And I know what's coming. And there's an amazing Winston Churchill quote. The appeaser is the guy who, fe- you know, the appeaser is the one who feeds the alligator, hoping it will eat him last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is coming for all of you. Yeah. It is coming for all of you. It does not care. It's like the Terminator, right? It's coming. <laughs> yeah. And you don't know when it's going to show up on your doorstep, but make no mistake. It's coming for you. I, I agree, man. And, uh, you know, that's why I support what you guys are doing. I, I want to keep supporting, you know, and that's why I wanted to sort of have this conversation. Um, and I appreciate your time. I know you got kids and all that stuff and got to be hectic. <laughs> um, I'm going to leave you on one question. It's probably the most political question I'm going to ask you. This might cancel you, so just be careful. What, what's your favorite Scorsese movie? Oh man, it's it's Goodfellas. Just because mm-hmm. I was, I was ten or eleven years old when that movie came out, and I saw it in movie theaters with my dad. Yeah. So you know, it, it just has a different place in my heart than say a Raging Bull or a Mean Streets or or anything like that. Um, uh, it, it's it's Goodfellas. I mean, there's no wrong answers, and uh, I mean that's a, that's a good one, and I'll keep that in mind when I eventually have the mega podcast with multiple guests, and it's just Goodfellas versus Casino, and it's just okay, it's just ba- it's just uh, Thunderdome, yeah. Thunderdome for three yeah. hours. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I I, uh, I I appreciate you letting me come on and chat it out as well. So you know, getting our message across to everyone and just letting everyone know we're here. I mean, we, mm-hmm. we, we have a big tent and uh, I promise you this, you're never going to get canceled working on this side of the fence. Excellent. All right, Dallas. Thanks so much, man. All right. I uh, appreciate it. It's great to finally connect and talk and in person and stuff. And of course, ho- hopefully uh, in the future, we're standing on a step together. So Good. I'm still going to bug you about it. So yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. All right, buddy. Have a great rest of your week. Take care.